This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 5th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. It's worth remembering that opportunities for local, state, and federal asset forfeiture are everywhere. Those seizures tend to target those already in a poor position to challenge police authority. Walter Olson, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, provides a rundown of some recent galling examples. Forfeiture, of course, has been going on for a long time, and Cato has been following it for a long time. There seems to be a a cluster of reports. Um, Tennessee is a hotspot for uh, police stop forfeiture, where uh, out-of-town motorists, out-of-state motorists will be coming through. Uh, Police will stop them, ask if they can search the car, and confiscate large amounts of money that happen to be found on the driver. Now, uh, this seems to happen even when the person uh, had a uh, good explanation about I had a lot of money because I was going to go out and buy a car off Craigslist, that sort of thing. And uh, it's been exposed very well by TV reporters down there. Well, the latest wrinkle is uh, someone uh, uh, was in the room reporting when a police chief from a town in Tennessee uh, told his town that they needed to Uh, get him a police dog because they were missing out on revenues that the dog could provide by alerting to money and that sort of thing. And this just opens a little window. There's a group called Americans for Forfeiture Reform, which keeps tabs on some of this. And uh, they have gone to the websites where police dogs are for sale to departments. And there are little testimonials, which are kind of like lottery winners saying, you know, see this adorable pooch. Uh, you know, she got $18,000 in one seizure alone. <laughs> and it, you know, they're adorable and they make your department rich. I mean, what, what more could you ask for? So it's it's often rather rather sinister. And another of the stories comes from Northern California, where Butte County, north of Sacramento, uh, has a high rate of uh, seizure and forfeiture uh, connected with marijuana growing, not too surprising in itself. But the county also has a very unusually high rate of uh, seizure of children for social services and uh, child protective services. And that seems to be related. It seems that a lot of those kids are getting seized because uh, their parents or caregivers uh, happen to be growing marijuana on their their property. And in that county, there are a lot of parents organizing and comparing notes and fighting back because uh, this turns something that is enough of a tragedy in the criminal justice system into a potential permanent family tragedy. There's another case from Ohio, which kind of throws a spotlight on some of the bad incentives that it gives a legal system that is supposed to be objective, where the objectivity of the actors in the legal system is supposed to be so important. Now, we know that the uh, police department's incentives can be warped a bit by the idea of having new vehicles to drive around. But in this case, it sounded like such touchy-feely, a, a warm story, uh, which is that uh, gardening equipment seized from a marijuana grower was being used for a new urban gardening program that was going to help out the poor, and it was just adorable sounding. Um, but it happened that so pointed out the reader who flagged this for me at Overlawyered, uh, my website, that the same judge who had signed the search warrant was getting good publicity for having approved the uh, reuse of the seized gardening equipment for the program. Now, what kind of incentive does that give judges anyway? It gives them an incentive, I think, to sign uh, that search warrant, even if perhaps there's a bit of doubt in their mind. And people ask, is anything being done about this? Isn't there some move to reform this in Washington? And I'm afraid the bad news is not only no, is there no 
uh, strong movement outside of a few uh, places like the, the Cato Institute, but it gets worse. The, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, uh, not a very popular federal agency, has just been given massive new forfeiture powers. And uh, one can predict as the night follows the day that there will be stories within a few years of abusive forfeitures in the areas of alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Now, just to be clear, when local agencies want to engage in forfeitures where state laws might preclude them from keeping a lot of those revenues, the federal government is already, in many instances, brought in to actually execute the forfeiture. And then the local police agency, rather than having to turn that money over to the general fund, gets to keep a large share of it. Yeah, there, there are sharing arrangements. There is strategic behavior in which they use uh, whichever uh, level of law enforcement gives them the best forfeiture deal. Uh, it's, I mean, we, we know that people go shopping for tax rates and, and between states and, and, and be, uh, go shopping for uh, favorable corporate law. And uh, unfortunately, the authorities also go shopping for uh, laws that give them more rights against the populace. To your point about Tennessee, uh, one thing I believe I remember correctly about uh, the issue in Tennessee is that the police were stopping almost exclusively southbound uh, vehicles to the extent that they're trying to get cash rather than drugs. It's interesting, yeah, because according to the literature, the money flows tend to be in the opposite direction from the drug flows. And uh, they're much more interested in stopping traffic where they can uh, get money, which is really immediately useful, than drugs, which they might have to destroy or something. There was a case so outrageous. I don't think it, we covered it. Uh, I, I, I don't know whether you've done other uh, shows on this, but a few months ago, there was really extraordinarily outrageous reporting. Uh, Radley Balco reported for the Huffington Post about um, an episode in Wisconsin where a local police department was making a habit of telling uh, families of newly arrested people, uh, you need to bring in cash for their bail. And then when the family would bring in the cash, they would seize it immediately, saying, oh, well, our dog smells some drugs on that cash, so it must have been the proceeds. Uh, we own that cash now. Now go out and find bail some other way. And they got caught, if I may put it that way, because a lawyer uh, realized what was going on, and the family uh, recorded that it had just gotten the cash from a bank ATM, and of course the town then seized it. But they had a record half an hour ago, or however long it was, this was in a bank's idea. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.